Hello there, everyone. Welcome to Digital Nomad Mastery, the podcast and the video cast where we teach you how to make money while traveling the world. Speaking of traveling the world, we're currently exploring the beautiful Philippines. I'll be doing my TEDx talk in only two weeks. So super excited about that, uh, preparing like crazy. Uh, so in the midst of our, our TEDx planning, I'm continuing my interview series where I'm interviewing different entrepreneurs from around the world. And this is a very special interview because I'm interviewing a guest who I'll be meeting in person in just one month. Our guest today is Dan McPherson, and uh, he's actually going to be flying here to the Philippines, and uh, we'll be hanging out in Manila. So I'll be actually putting a lot of uh, posts on social media and uh, on my blog and YouTube channel as well. So stay tuned for all of that. I'll have some links to those as well. Uh, so yesterday is uh, Dan McPherson. He's actually been a, a trainer, speaker, and consultant on the area of leadership and team building for the last 20 plus years. He is the founder of Leaders Must Lead. And you can check out his website, leadersmustlead.com. And he specializes in the topics of leadership, time management, communication, and sales. And we're going to be focused a lot about time management on this top, on this particular episode because I know for me, I certainly struggle with managing my time as an entrepreneur and especially as a digital nomad traveling in different time zones and work-life balance with having a wonderful wife and three wonderful kids and making sure I'm still healthy and sane and spiritually uh, uh, connected to God. So it's definitely a challenge. So I'm looking forward to learning for myself and of course for everyone who's listening and watching on YouTube and iTunes and different podcast directories. Uh, so Dan, uh, how are you doing today, my friend? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me, man. I'm excited to be here and I can't wait to uh, see you in person in just a few weeks. Yes, that time is coming. And I, I'm so excited when uh, people from around the world visit us here in the Philippines because I'm such a big ambassador for travel to the Philippines and uh, coming and visiting the beautiful country, the beautiful beaches, meeting the wonderful people. So you're a case study of what's going to happen when you come visit. You'll fall in love with the Philippines just as much as I have. That's awesome. I look very much forward to it. I've never never been to Asia and it's a uh, it's a great first step and it's also a path on my desire to travel more and to wrap that into my business. So I, I, I hopefully this will connect with everyone, but I, I know that it resonates with me. I, I love that uh, the nomad lifestyle that you're living and I aspire to that. Yeah, and Dan will actually be doing his first international talk as well. He's spoken around the U.S., but he'll be speaking here in Manila, Philippines as well. So I'll have the links to that as well. So Dan, uh, before we get into the questions about, you know, time management, we want to get to know you. We want to get to know a little bit about your story, your background, your work history, your entrepreneur history, and of course, your family. So why don't you share a little bit more about yourself? For sure. So I... Uh, I grew up on the west side of Michigan in the United States, and I have uh, I've spent a lot of my life in Michigan, although in, in different parts. And I with uh, with I, I guess some different challenging situations. I grew up around uh, I grew up around uh, different. I grew up around crime. I grew up with different struggles of poverty and all of that. And I I have been very fortunate to have also been exposed to just some tremendous people and tremendous opportunities and have had a chance to to i guess prove that life is about, that while your environment influences who you are your choices change who you are and so as i uh, as i grew up and uh, i guess at least as much as i grew up physically uh, I, I like to play a lot so my wife says i haven't grown up a, a ton uh, otherwise yet 
But uh, as I did, I, I got very excited about the opportunity to, to break free and to be able to make an impact on the world. And for me, one of the first steps for that was going to college. I had an opportunity to go to college at the University of Michigan in Ann Arbor, and I loved it. I was the only the I was really the first person in my family to go to college. And that just having that opportunity and coming and, and having the my horizons expanded, I guess I look at that maybe as a first step on the journey to where I am now. And I enjoyed college. And uh, after that, we spent some time, I, I spent some time working in sales and had my first sales leadership jobs uh, running at power equipment dealerships, so working for Sears, a big retail company in the US, or at least one that has been over the years. And uh, had, that was my first exposure to learning how to sell. Then I met my wife. And uh, after I met her, two days after I met her, I told her I was going to marry her. <laughs> and that, that proved to be true. I mean, so <laughs> yes, sir. Uh, so within a year, we were within a year, we were married. And as I, as we got married, I started my first straight commission sales job, which was pretty crazy going out to, on telemarketed leads. With this was before cell phones, before Google Maps or anything like that. So this was an opportunity for me to go out there and find find houses that were oh I don't know three four hours apart. I would drive two thousand miles a week, and go to these houses that we got these leads that we called and said hey we're going to be in your area. Apparently that was a very general term, and I drove to those and learned how to connect with people. I learned how to help people and learned how to learn how to help them get what they wanted. And that, that was the truly the formation of my real sales strength. And having done that for a little while, have moved, I moved around the country with it, got very good at it, enjoyed it. But my passion, I, I started to recognize, was helping other people. And so I pulled back and instead of selling, jumped into sales leadership and sales management and helping teams and helping others grow and helping others succeed. My wife thought I was nuts because that meant I had to make a lot less money for a while <laughs> <laughs> and rebuild. It's, uh, it wasn't one step back to take two steps forward. It was like nine steps back to take, uh, to take some steps forward. And that's been a progression throughout my career. I've just wanted to help more and more people. So I moved from there into retail and and got uh, had an have worked in home improvements. I worked in retail and it escalated through different levels of leadership all the way up to finally a senior vice president of a company that was doing home improvements all across the U.S. Uh, just a just a couple of years ago. And so work-wise, that's, uh, that's me. I think the craziest job that I ever had, other than maybe the in-home sales, was running retail stores and airports. So if you ever want to do anything interesting, deal with the airport environment, not just from travel, but from actually working there and helping others to work there. That sounds fun and definitely connected to a whole digital nomad travel theme where we're running retail stores in airports. Yes, sir. So, so that, that's it. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Yeah, so uh, why do we get into this whole area of uh, time management? Because uh, that's something that we all struggle with to some degree. Time management, prioritization, work-life balance. So give us an overview like, of this whole area of how we can manage our time better. Yeah, I, I appreciate the opportunity to share that. It, it has become, over the last couple of years, the number one topic that I have been sharing with clients. It seems to be the greatest need with clients, with friends, with everybody that I encounter. And as I look back, it first became a pretty deep need for me. In fact, as I was traveling 
a lot. In my, as I escalated through different leadership positions, what I found is that they all involved more travel. So I was traveling a hundred flights a year and I was in a hotel a hundred nights a year. And as I would travel, I would be helping other people through the day. And then I would need to do my own work at night. And then I still had family to balance and it became pretty overwhelming. And I find this to, this is a common situation that, that everybody in their life hits a point of overwhelm. They hit a spot where they finally recognize, I can't do all this without some systems and some tools and some understandings that are going to help me. I have to get better at that. And when I encounter people, they've generally already, they're already well past that spot. In fact, many of them have kind of given up and just said, well, you can't do it all. So I'm just going to go on and do the best I can. And I appreciate that because at least that says that we're pushing through, but maybe not in the best way possible. So when we talk about time management, there are a few things that, that come to mind. The first is the mindset, the, the understanding of why it matters and where we're really at, accepting where we're really at. I, I talk about that as understand and accept. And then we have to talk about how we do it, right? That how we gain clarity of what we do and how we make it better. And then finally, the movement, the, the idea of how we go forward and then how we keep it consistent and balance the, uh, the psychology of it to not cause us grief. When we talk about mindset, the first thing that, uh, that I touch on is just the idea that this is really important that it, it is so ingrained in our lives and so deep, the tendrils of, of effective or poor time management stretch everywhere. So that way, when we, when we talk about it, we think, well, it's just, it's just some tasks, but it's not. Think of how you psychologically feel or emotionally feel when you, get, when you start to get that overwhelmed, when you start to get more tasks than you feel like you can handle. Think about how you feel when you are really focused on something and then someone interrupts you and, and you have to pull a task away, even if it's for a good reason, what that does to you. I find that the biggest part of time management is understanding the psychology of it, is understanding how it actually deeply affects us and therefore how important it is to make adjustments in our life. And I, I think that gets undervalued in the idea that we think of it as a list of tasks and then that we just have to make better and put in place. Excuse me, the, uh, go ahead, I'm sorry. Awesome, so uh, mindset is the key. Obviously we have to first, uh, uh, you know, prioritize, make a decision that is important, and then we go into the implementation, which is the clarity. Um, so in terms of mindset, like, is it just that decision that is important or is the actual uh, mental, um, you know, prioritization affirmations? Is there something we need to do in our mind to actually manage our times better? Well, I, I think there are a number of things that we need to do. And the, the first is to accept that is to get out of the way of our ego. Our ego tells us we can do everything, right? I like to use the example of balloons. If you walk around and you're going in a field and there are hundreds of balloons and you're gathering balloons and you're adding them into your right hand and then you put them in that right hand and you're carrying them along and you're like, I've got a lot of balloons, it's pretty cool. And you look over to your left and you see this really shiny balloon and you reach for it. You look at it and you reach for it. Guess what you do with your other hand? You open it up. 
and now things fly away. This is our, our ego convinces us that that's never going to happen, but it does. So the first, the first mental step is really just accepting that, that we actually need some tools. And then we take that mentality and say, what are those tools? The first one is prioritization is the ability to understand how we prioritize. And we have these, these foibles. We have these things that cause us to trip, get tripped up when we prioritize. The foundation of all prioritization is urgency versus importance. That's the, that's the functional piece. If you think about it, I, I like to draw a square with four boxes and then the upper left, the one that matters most are the things that are urgent and important. And we all have a number of things that are urgent and important, but we also tend to get distracted by others. We get distracted by things that are, that are important, but not urgent. We fall into that trap because they're usually the things that we like to do or that we have a longer time to do, but they're, they're the default activities. They're the preferred activities. And so we get trapped into doing those and that takes away time from doing things that are urgent and important. There's the other ones that are, I, I think, even trickier in today's society because of how our apps and our phones are, are designed, which are the things that are urgent but not important. A good example of that is if you're in the middle of doing something and your Facebook uh, alert dings, that, that gives you a sense of urgency, but there's no importance to it, right? You can check it later. There's no importance, but how much time do we get caught up in doing that? So there's two challenges that we run into that are both psychological here. One is that we get drawn away from that. So we have to decide that we have to choose to do what's urgent and important and then actually choose within that which one to do first. This is where people get caught. After, after you make a list of what's urgent and important and really lay those out, now you ask yourself, how do I decide which one to do first? And I'll borrow from one of the, one of the people that I follow that I like that travels a lot as well, Tim Ferriss. And he, he says that when you face a challenge that you have all these things to do and they all are urgent and important, you decide which one to do by asking yourself which one will make the greatest impact or make the others go away. I like to think of this as an example of a bucket of water and some fires. We all have these fires burning, right? And the urgent and important fires, they're the ones that are going to burn us. They're the ones that are going to cause the biggest trouble. And what most people do is they have this bucket of water. That's your resources. That's your time. That's, that's how much ability that you have to spend to get stuff done. And most people will take a teaspoon or a little measuring cup and dump a little bit of water on each fire. That's our nature because we like to keep up. We like to say, yeah, I addressed everything. The problem with that is the fires keep burning and a teaspoon of water doesn't put any fire out. So it is better to take, the, to take a step back pick that one that'll make the biggest difference. Maybe it's the one that's on top of a hill. Maybe it's the one that's near some other fires and dump the whole bucket on it and help some of the others go out. Now you've put some out, you've stopped some from burning and over time you'll gain momentum by addressing that with your full resources. So I, I think that's important. There's one other thought there that I, that I would share that, I, I, it, that meshes into this very nicely, which is the idea of task switching and batching. And I, I've, I've seen you do some batching with your time, like with interviews and things like that. I think yes. that's great, right? Yes. So the, the, the idea here is that most of us go through life and we do things very reactively and we do things whenever, whenever it feels like they, they should happen. We aren't planning it out. Or even if we are, we're trying to fit stuff in rather than setting aside space to do groups of things. One of the key principles of organization is to group like things together. 
So if you group them together, and I, when I was, uh, as I'm running teams, I like to think of interviews, much like you doing podcasts. If I, if I, if I were hiring people, and they would, be, and I would put an ad out, and they would call in. My early in my career, I would take all those phone calls, and then I would, and I would just take them throughout the day. And, and later in my career, I started grouping them together and saying, I'm doing phone screens from three to five on this uh, on this day, and it would make it much, it would make it much easier. What that saves us is the most important thing, which is the idea of task switching. So I, I have a question for you, Ricky. If we, if you're doing a task, you're deeply involved in a task and you get interrupted. So now you, you get called away, a phone call or whatever, and you come back, how much time do you think you lose in terms of having to get back in, excluding the time you're on the call, like just you come back and to get refocused and get really back into the task, how much time do you think you lose? Yeah, no, I mean, definitely there's the whole shift in focus, right? So when I'm focused on something and then I, I do something else and I lost focus and I got to refocus, it's like, I don't know if there's an actual amount of time, but it would be at least 10 or 15 minutes to refocus. And even when I refocus, I'm not in the zone, the zone, the flow zone, right? Exactly right. So the and the average in the the average from the studies I've seen is that regardless of task and regardless of people, if you average it out, it's about seven minutes. And for some people, it's as much as 30. It depends on their state, their task, whatever. Right. But you think about this from the perspective of a traveler who's trying to be really efficient or trying to move or trying to move around. And how many times can you lose seven minutes, seven minutes, seven minutes, seven minutes. Yeah. And, and every time you pause and look down at your Facebook and read Facebook for two minutes and then go back to your task, that's seven more minutes. Every time that you answer a phone call, that's seven more minutes. So funneling your communication in an appropriate way. And I, I, I do suggest something radical in my training, which is checking social media four times a day and uh, responding to and, and yep, four times a day. And then setting up guidelines for your communication with the people that you deal with to where if it's an email, you'll respond to it within 24 hours. If it's a text within three hours, if it's a phone call, then I, I tell people only call me, only call me directly if it's urgent because I'll step out of what I'm doing, but I'm acknowledging that I'll make a task switch for a phone call. And when I funnel that, it helps make it flow a lot better. And all of it, all of these things are to, uh, to do a lot to avoid the task twitching and to avoid the the pain of prioritization. There are a couple of other things that are super helpful from a scheduling standpoint, but from a prioritization standpoint, that's where I start. Yeah, I love all these uh, strategies uh, you, you mentioned here. I especially love, like you mentioned, the batching because I do a lot of different types of tasks. So I do podcasting, I do coaching, I do book publishing, and uh, you know, online courses, etc. So I, I find like when I just put aside a time like right now, it's like three podcasts in a row. Okay, done. And then like coaching calls, put them in a row. So because even to switch from coaching to podcasting is a huge shift mentally. And sometimes I do it back to back and I find I struggle to make that switch because I'm in like podcast mode, which is asking questions. <laughs> and then like a coaching mode is like bringing the inner light out of people, which is kind of connected to podcasting, but it just, it's hard to make that shift. So I, I just want to reinforce your statement there about batching is uh, so pivotal to productivity. Uh, so, yeah, do you want to add to that? Oh, I was just going to say, changing to batching ended up saving me almost two hours a day when I made the switch a few years ago. 
And that that's a really significant amount of time. It's in the end, we, we all have 24 hour days, right? It's just what we do with them. And there are, uh, there are a number of quotes that we use in, in the, in the training. And that that's one of them is just reminding us that everybody has the same amount of time. How effective can we be? And when you do a time study on yourself, which is one of the, one of the things that I recommend as part of the training, I have never had anyone do the time study and not find a couple of hours of time that they could use differently, which is a, a day, which is really significant when you look at it across a week, a month or a year. Yeah, you know, absolutely. Everyone has a uh, time, even though they say they're busy, if, if it's really important to them, they'll figure it out. They'll find a way. And I love the quote about like, if you want something done, ask a busy person because they'll find a way because they're they're busy in the sense like they, they know what they're doing and they're able to just shift things around or figure out a slot and they'll figure it out. So if you need somebody that ask a productive person. <laughs> you know, I, I think the first time that I really uh, saw the example of rearranging priorities is when I was out selling and I, I would show up and the person would say, oh, I don't, I have five minutes. That's all I have. You have to go. And that was really their brush off, right? Because they didn't see the value in it. I would ask them two or three questions and demonstrate that there was real value to the meeting. And then suddenly it'd be an hour later. And I'd ask them at the end, I'd ask them, I'd say, what happened? They're like, oh, I rearranged my schedule. Why? Because we do that for the things that provide value. Yeah, absolutely. So you mentioned schedule quite a bit here. And uh, one of the key elements of time management is our schedules, right? A lot of us live or die based on our iPhone (laughs) calendar or Google calendar or whatever calendar you use. So uh, what are your tips there in terms of the calendar and the scheduling side of time management? Yeah, so calendar and scheduling, sort of getting that getting that in place, that planning is the is the phase that we or the part we talk about that that is crucial. And there are a few things that I talk about there that are that that jump to mind the most important. One is use lists. I, I find that much like our ego gets in the way of thinking we can do everything, our ego gets in the way of thinking we don't have to write everything down. And, <laughs> yeah, true. <laughs> and I, I've not, I, I have a pretty darn good memory and I have to write everything down. And uh, it, it, that's something that is, that, that's really important. So you make this list. And in fact, using the strategy we talked about before about prioritizing, I encourage you to make a prioritized list. And th- that becomes very important as we continue. So you make a prioritized list of saying, all right, now that I, now I know what I'm scheduling in, And as I schedule in, I've got this prioritized list of here are the things that I would do. If I could do them, here are the order that I would do them. That's this is the most important to the least. Now I'll set that aside for a moment and I'm gonna go to my calendar and I'm gonna and I'm gonna use my calendar for all of my appointments. And when I do, there are two things in specific that most people do not do that I that I recommend very strongly. They are factor and flex. So the the first is factor. We talked about psychology earlier. Psychology comes in here again. And that is the idea that everything takes longer than we think it's going to take, right? I learned this the hard way when uh, a few years ago, okay, it was, it was maybe 10 years ago now, I made a phone call to my wife and I said, hey, I'm going to be home in half an hour. And she said, cool, I'll see you in two and a half hours. <laughs> and I said, wait, what do you mean? What do you mean two and a half hours? I said, I'll see you in half an hour. She said, yeah, that's your factor. And I didn't know what she meant. And as I, I kind of got angry, I got frustrated about it. And then as I thought about it and realized as often is the case that she was right, uh, that I had a factor. 
And the more that I've explored that, the more I've realized that everyone has a factor that we think something that this task will take me 30 minutes and it takes me an hour or it takes me 35, whatever it is, we all have a factor. So I encourage everyone to figure out what their factor is. And then when you are scheduling things, assume that factor. If you get more efficient, great. But as from a scheduling standpoint, I want to assume the worst and not the best. So if you think the drive is going to take you 15 minutes and you know that you are typically off, plan 30. Believe it or not, in my studies, the most common factor is about two. So most people assume things will take half as long as they will. So that's the first. The second is flex. One of the biggest psychological pressures that we get on our day is when unexpected things occur. But I would argue that unexpected things don't necessarily occur. We don't know which things they're going to be, but we know they're going to happen. For most people, they have a certain amount of their day where things that they weren't planning on come up. And it's a pretty measurable part of the day. It might be a quarter of your day. It might be half of your day. Might be might be a lot more of that, depending upon what you're, depending on if you're traveling or depending upon if you are in an, in an office environment, it can vary. So when you schedule, when you write your schedule, and this is the hard part, we, we have to set our ego aside, realize that what I'm going to tell you will cost you 0% of the work you would get done in the day. It's rearranging it. That's what time management's about. It's rearranging our mindset and doing and just coming at it from a different angle. So now when you schedule your day, if you would normally schedule an eight-hour day, just as an example, and your factor is two, then you can only schedule a four-hour day. If half of your day has unexpected things, you can now only schedule a two-hour day. Now, that sounds really crazy. And I'll tell you, I get really wide eyes when I, when I teach this. Here's what happens, though. You have that prioritized to-do list that covers everything else. So every time you have something that doesn't go wrong, oh, I, I, had, a flex of two, I had a flex of half my time today, but, it didn't, but I didn't use that. Great. I immediately go to my prioritized to-do list and start doing that task. So I don't get anything less done. The only option is for me to get more to equal or more done than I would have before, but it's arranging it differently so that it works with my psychology. Now, here's what happens. Something unexpected comes up and I no longer feel stressed or upset about it because I assumed it was going to happen. It doesn't come up. I feel a relief and I go and get stuff done in a no pressure environment. So I get the same amount done. So those are a couple of things with scheduling. There are a few others, but those are the ones that, that come right to mind. Those are uh, some rock solid tips. So you have these three steps, the mindset, clarity, movement. Um, uh, what would you say? Any more tips there around clarity and movement? Yeah. So clarity, one of the other things we talk about is or is organization, organizing our data, which I met, which I touched on earlier with uh, with really restricting how often you're checking social media and email and how you're setting up your communication. I, I'm also a huge fan of uh, and this gets the raised eyebrows, sort of like scheduling a couple hours a day does. I'm a huge fan of a zero based inbox of the of the of the mindset that changes. And I have required teams that have worked for me to do this and they have hated me with the fire of a sun through the process. And then they got through the process and they came back and were just so grateful at the huge impact that it had on their lives. We underestimate the power of how many things we have in our, in our inbox and how that affects us. 
And so I teach people to handle emails one of just a few ways and then to and to clear out their inbox and, and give them the strategy to do that because I, I think getting to that is very important. There's a lot of a lot of studies out there on it and a lot of different ways to approach it. I have a specific one, but it's but getting there I think is important. And the the last point that I that I would mention on organization, I'm sure there I'm sure we could talk about this for hours, but the last point that I that I would touch on an organization is don't ignore your environment. So what what environment are you in when you're we there is a a truth to the fact that everything should have a place there should be a place for everything there's a truth to the fact that you want to be in calm and a productive environment it's not always possible especially for digital nomads such as yourself right you're in an internet cafe you're on an airplane you're in an airport I I, I live in that world but I think you can still make some of the choices, right? You may not be making, be able to make all of the choices that someone who goes to the same office every day would, which is good because I think we'd not like to make all of those choices, but, but you can make some of them and look and say, what can I do to make my environment a little bit better? Whether it's nicer headphones that give me an isolation, whether it is a, whether it's, something that that a lot, uh, an organization uh, clipboard that puts things in a particular order everything that we do that creates efficiency also creates calm so there are some things with movement and the, the biggest is have a bias towards action take all these steps but a lot of people then get caught in analysis paralysis and i'm a fan of having a bias towards action of taking steps forward and then a couple of things to help keep it going recognize your stress points. When you start feeling it, when you start feeling that stress point, that it's, it's like the wall, like it's closing in around you, or like you notice you're hunching your shoulders, take, there are a couple of things that are very simple. One is just take, lift your head up, look, look right and left, take one or two deep breaths, and you'll be amazed at how better you feel. And what that does is it lets you see the forest and not the tree that was in front of you. When we sit down and do something, we get so focused on it that we lose sight of the bigger picture and it changes how we make decisions. So if we do, and I saw you do it right with me, if we do that, it changes your perspective and you see what's going on around you and you're able to make decisions differently. Thoughts? Oh, I loved it. I was actually doing it while Dan was speaking. I recommend uh, for you guys who are listening or uh, watching this from home or wherever you're watching and listening from, did you do it as well, right? Simple thing, like uh, just arch your back and then uh, look left, look right, breathe in. And you do, yeah, I, I did feel better. I just felt a sign of relief. And uh, because we're not even conscious of our breathing, right? Like we're just going about a day, doing what we're doing, and we're not like intentional about our breathing. So very important. So I love all these tips, Dan. Um, any closing thoughts on uh, time management? Because obviously, like you said, we can talk hours or days. You could have a whole workshop on this, but uh, we only had that limit of a podcast. So closing thoughts, closing thoughts on uh, productivity, time management, and more. Yeah, I, I, I think the word that you mentioned a minute ago is the closing thought that I would have, which is this. I, I wore busy as a badge of honor for a long time. And now I kind of hate the word busy. Because busy seems like uh, it's it to me, it became an ego thing. I'm busy. That's great. But was I productive? And I think the evaluation for everyone is, is are you productive? And how do you feel when you're productive? 
right? How do you set yourself up to be in that flow state? How do you set yourself up to feel right and adapt to the right, to kind of put yourself in the right psychological place and give yourself psychological momentum? And how do you focus on increasing productivity rather than being busy? I find that the most productive people are often doing fewer things and they learn a very important skill that I have struggled to learn over time, which is to say no. Uh, there's a uh, there's a quote that I like. I will I'll edit it uh, to to be family friendly. But it says to say either e- to either say uh, heck yes or no. And when you're approached with something, we say a default yes too many times. We say a default yes out of this sense of obligation that isn't even real. But if we focus on on asking, do things move us closer to our goal or do they move us further away? And we do the things that move us closer to our goal and and we only do the things, uh, obviously there are things in life we have to do, but for the most part, when we have a choice, are we saying yes to only the things that we we truly want to do and that drive us forward? And uh, heck, that's why I'm coming to Asia because I said, heck yes. So that's my that's my wrap up there is keep that mindset. Heck yes. <laughs> I love it. Uh, that's what we did when we left Vancouver. We said heck yes to a life of travel and we are going and going and going. Uh, so Dan, uh, for people who have further questions about this topic or any of your other areas of specialty like leadership, communication, sales, and if they just want to uh, get to know you a little bit better, how can they connect with you? I would love to connect with them. I am very active on Facebook under Leaders Must Lead and my website, leadersmustlead.com. It's actually getting a shiny overhaul uh, that'll, uh, it, it's it's pretty good right now. I think it'll be amazing in uh, just a, a week or two. I'm very excited for that. So they can check me out there. Also on Instagram, Twitter, I'm, I'm pretty engaged out there. And uh, LinkedIn, if they want to look me up personally, feel free to look for my name, Dan McPherson there. I am glad to connect in every way possible. There you go. Leaders must lead across the board. So make sure you check out the website, the social media, and more. So Dan, uh, thanks for coming on to the podcast here. You definitely nailed it in terms of all the content. And I look forward to seeing you over here in the Philippines. Thank you so much, man. I appreciate it greatly. You're very welcome. And thanks, everyone, for tuning into this episode. Make sure you connect with Dan. Make sure you connect with us. And make sure you connect with Dan and me as we explore the Philippines together in about a month. Uh, Happy travels, everyone, and happy time.